Okay, hello and welcome to um, Back to the Feature podcast. I'm here with my usual bunch of friends, Mark. Good afternoon. Who is here on his anniversary, so sorry Denise, we love you. Um, Paul. My best Peter O'Toole. Hello. <laughs> and, and Michael, who's joining us by Skype from Wales. Yeah, hi, good morning. Is bunch of friends, is bunch the right collective for friends? Uh, is it like a basket? Murder, like murder, crows. Yeah. yeah, I love the one for crows. Murder, a murder of crows. Uh, but yeah, bundle. Yeah. Parliament. Uh, murder of crows. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, today we'll be discussing Avengers of Age of Ultron. Um, Predestination is the home release, and then the classic Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, we'll crack on because um, time is of the essence today. Because Paul and I are off to see a showing of Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, which um, is great. <laughs> we can't wait. <laughs> anyway, so with further no further ado, we'll tackle the new Marvel's release, Avengers: Age of Ultron, um, starring the full is gamut the right word of Marvel stars? Yeah. A collective, proper collective term for superheroes. Um, <laughs> it's as good a word as any. Right? Abundance, yeah. Um, and it basically follows what happens when Robert Downey Jr., aided by Mark Ruffalo, put a some AI into a robot that shouldn't perhaps have gone there because it comes from Loki's staff. So, um, who would like to kick off that one? Because I think I'll take one of the later films. Michael, Michael. you want to go with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can go with that. Yeah, um, I guess this is the the slate as it originally was. Um, proposed by Marvel even probably before the release date of the first Avengers film had had this film I think at the end of phase two so along the way with phase two there was um, the other team up Guardians of the Galaxy which we all liked a lot um, there was a sequel to Captain America I think um, yeah. Iron Man 3 might have even been within phase two yeah and I think uh, that kicked it off didn't it yeah there's yeah sequel to Thor um not sure what other Marvel films are out there. Um, it it ends with Ant Man yeah. now, doesn't it? Ant Man, yeah, I think Ant Man is going to be within this phase. And of course, there's this long, great slate of films leading up to uh, the end of Phase Three and the back-to-back Infinity War films, um, which will be the next Avenger films. And all the directors and all the things have all been set up. I think even the casting for all the next phase of the Marvel films, including actually Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, I think. And there was mm. numerous actors that were attached to that. But anyway, so this is getting all a bit much. Um, Marvel, clearly, you know, maybe the, the big point is that in comparison to DC, Marvel have their own studio. So they can really churn these things out, whereas DC is attached to Warner's and Warner's can only really churn out these films once a year at best and they're kind of quite behind clearly way behind actually uh i didn't like it i um i um i'm getting pretty tired of this now really i thought robert downey down robert downey jr looked tired in it sorry uh, sorry sorry michael sorry to interrupt there but we just me and mark are just picking ourselves off the floor you didn't like it i didn't like it no cool well no, shot no. anyway go on uh, sorry I, didn't mean I, to interrupt i know it's I actually kind of shocked myself, actually, yeah. by by being so cold to it. I mean, of course, the action is amazing, and there's some, there's some great scenes and all this sort of stuff. And um, 
but it just uh, the same humor and there were too many of the same sort of scenes that were in the first one and the sort of rehashed jokes from the first mm. one as well almost really and um, it just looked like a kind of um, I mean they, they went, there's no introduction needed obviously to these characters now so right from the get go they could get right into the action and yeah. they sure, sure did that of course and may, maybe they can do that because in part obviously this is a sequel but um, if you've seen the other standalone films of all the different characters then you kind of know a little bit about their character so they don't really kind of have to go into all of that but actually I don't think there is I don't really give a crap about any of these characters now. Maybe Captain America I like, because I actually like the Captain America films. I thought especially the first one, which is actually pretty a decent war story. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of um, different to... um, Different to the first Avengers film, I suppose, in that the the antagonist from the first Avengers film was straight out of the Thor film in, in Loki and um, what he was up to but it, and actually I think he had a scene from he had a scene in Avengers 2 that was cut apparently right. but um, the, the, the main sort of antagonist I suppose from this one is um, is from the Captain America films and Hydra who are kind of sneaking back into things and Hydra was there in the first of Captain America film and then certainly in the second one as well um, yeah I mean I think the uh, the characters that I do kind of lean towards are Captain America and probably the Hulk. And they tried, I think, to, to add a bit more to the characters, the other characters in this one that probably didn't get a look in in other films, um, like um, Hawkeye, for example, Black Widow. And um, I kind of worry about these team-up films now, really. Um, and I think that clearly, you know, DC are trying to do that and do their team-up films. But I still think, you know... With all this stuff they can spend on it and all the great action sequences, when it comes down to it, you still really got to care for the characters. And I know we talk about this a lot, and I really need more than more than the action. I need need to invest in the person behind underneath the costume in some way, and I didn't get any of that from this. And um, yeah, I just actually ended up being pretty cold towards it. I think the um, James Spader clearly had a good role in it, and he did a great voice for uh, Ultron. He has, he has Paul, a great voice, doesn't he? Yeah, and had a lot of presence. And Paul Bettany, actually, when he sort of really kind of turned up as um, the embodiment of Jarvis, really, he was um, well, he was always the voice of Jarvis through the Iron Man films, but he was pretty... I think he had a presence as well. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what a shame! I just really didn't enjoy it at all, other than the action. And I, you know, I do. There was a few chuckles I got out of it, I suppose. And and certainly, you know, very similar sort of scene to the first one when Hulk sort of confronts the antagonist, and uh, and then the antagonist in this way, it was Old Chon, but in the first one, obviously Loki, and and they sort of Hulk beats him up, and and. Um, I think in this one was it Ultron says, oh, for God's sake, and then Hulk chucks him out of the air, chucks him out of the plane. Yeah, what a shame. I didn't like it at all. What would you give it, Mike? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, if anything, they should really, they should limit the budget on this stuff so they don't get indulgent in all these kind of really high-octane kind of cartoon stuff and make it more interesting. Um, six. Six. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Any, Mark. Let's let's balance that view with a, <laughs> with a much more positive take. I loved it. I thought it was the best film since Citizen. No, um, 
I think we know by now this is not my sort of film. Yeah. Um, I had to watch it as a standalone because I hadn't seen the um, original or the first Avengers film. Um, I don't think I've seen any of the the, the, the satellite films either uh, right. around it, which I'm sure um, you know I am convinced that they probably do click together and it's it does make it a more enjoyable experience. But I just can't be bothered to be honest. So um, so I had to watch this as a as a standalone and. Um, it's always bad when um, Scarlett Johansson in a in a cat suit can't save a film for me. So um, <laughs> uh, it's it's exactly what I expected. Um, you almost don't have to um, you almost don't have to see the film to be able to review it because you it was pretty much as yeah as I was expecting beforehand. Hulk throws cars around. Um, there's some clunking wisecracks. Um, there's lots of explosions. There's the sort of typical baddie in it. Um, and of course, the whole thing seems to be um, based on the idea that mankind needs saving. Which is um, some days when you're in town, you think, eh, is that such a good idea? Yeah. So um, saving from itself, so, saving from itself, uh, indeed. Oh yeah, yeah. So I haven't really got a lot to say on the film, really. Um, That's fine. It was just, it was just sort of fairly predictable stuff. You, you knew that they were going to get a paste in. They'd probably fall out with each other at some point, but then all unite. At the end yeah, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. save the day. It's a bit like them old. Um, uh, you don't seem to sort of see them on terrestrial telly over here so much, but um, back in the eighties when you used to get, um, I don't think it's even called WWF anymore, but the old Panda American Panda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, yeah. W- I don't know why they it's called that. WWE now. Oh, WWE, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yeah, just like one of them. But it's just like one of watching one of them old wrestling. Yeah, matches yeah. really staged um, kind of drama yeah absolutely so in reality how much punishment can one thing take yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so it's, 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 it was kind of crazy um, yeah the tech was great blah 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 um, so for me um, I'll keep this short and sweet um, yeah just 3 out of 10 for me it, it, it didn't move me in any sort of it's way pretty positive thing. yeah that, that's, that's, well, that's two more than the, yeah, the yeah. mighty one you gave <laughs> I was expecting it to move into the minuses yeah, yeah. Kind of, no no I do I, you know I can appreciate well, they're trying to get your money back yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate oh, the, 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 <laughs> the tech yeah. in it and the cat suits and yeah. the um, um, but yeah, no, yeah. it doesn't doesn't do anything Fine. for me. Right, well, I'll, I'll shall I go now? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah go ahead. Right, well, I mean, people have... Uh, yes, the tech was great in places. I, I would argue that the tech right at the start with the graphics looking like a computer game in that opening scene yeah. wasn't great. Um, there were too many one-liners, as we've already said. Um, some of them won't mean anything to people that hadn't seen the original oh. set of films. Um but that said, there were some good ones. There was some good um, dialogue between the likes of Thor and the Vision. That was quite amusing, especially about the hammer. Um, when he said, "Oh, that's the, uh, the Vision," says, "Oh, that's fine. That's well balanced." Or sort of. That was quite a nice touch. And also the look on Thor's face when um, Captain America almost moved the hammer. Well, so, in the comics, he does, doesn't he? In the does comics, he? At some point, Captain America is, you know, is able to wield the hammer. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Well, I didn't so know that. that. Might, that yeah, yeah, that's because he's obviously worthy. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a bit of that, isn't there? Because yeah. in the very first Thor film, Odin whispers into the hammer, "Whoever shall be worthy shall wield the power of Thor," or something yeah. like that. So yeah. they were rehashing those kind of fine. And actually, while I'm thinking about that, that was um, 
they did sort of rehash uh, a bit of dialogue from the first time of Captain America. Well, a little bit of a joke on that. When, um, from the beginning, when um, they sort of tried to rescue these people who have been experimented on by Hydra. Yeah. Captain America says, um, what kind of monster would let a German scientist operate on him to protect his country? Mm. Obviously, that's exactly what Captain America did. You know, so it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, quite yeah. Funny, quite funny. No, that's true. Um, a nice, nice cameo as well from Stanley. Yeah. yeah, for for a change. Yeah, although I do get for, tired yeah, of him. Yeah, for a change, usually they're pretty stupid. Aren't I do they? get tired of him turning up, but um, there you go. And talking of the experimentation and that sort of thing, um, obviously this comes quite soon after the last X Men film, and obviously it's a different Quicksilver in this universe than it was in the X Men universe. Yeah. Because there wouldn't have been time because it. The, they were fresh from being experimented on in the Avengers, whereas, you know, he was living out in the wild, you know, on his own in America in the X-Men film. So, you know, it's it's different universes, but anyway. And I, I think I preferred the X-Men Quicksilver, in all honesty, but that's that's a personal personal thing. Um, anyway, um, I'm, I've, I've think we I'd, are... I'd, I'd join you with that. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a cooler scene, certainly. It certainly, certainly was. Um, I, th- I think we're getting to the point where they're having to be very careful now with character fatigue, because if you're even feeling it, then, you know, we're, we're getting close to the Ooh. close to that point. Um, it, I think it was the shortest mid-credit scene we've, they've done. That I mean, it was adequate, because it was Thanos, but, you know, and sorry if that's a spoiler to anyone out Ooh. there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's much of a, a spoiler because I, I, think, I think people assumed it was going to be. Leading up, yeah. Yeah, everything's leading up to a big. Um, the, very, the very character the, I want to see more of. Yeah, the yeah. Character they. Um, Joss Whedon, I think he did an okay job at handling so many main characters, but only just. I think it was only borderline whether it was under control or mm. not with all that many mm. people. Mm. Um, I haven't really got much more to say on it, really. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it at the time. Paul and I went to the midnight showing on the day of release, which obviously was um, a week before the Americans get it. I think they've only just this weekend um, had it over there. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad I did. Um, don't get me wrong, but um, originally I thought I'd probably want to go and see it in 3D as well, just see what difference that makes. But I can't imagine watching this again for quite a while. So. I've given it seven and a half out of ten, but I'm thinking perhaps I'm going to drop that actually down to seven. Um, right. It was mm-hmm. way better than Iron Man three. Not as good as the standalone Thor mm-hmm. second movie or Captain America um, standalone movie. Which brings me on to one last point. Now that we know that they team up and they're part of the Avengers, seeing them go off alone to fight like the Winter Soldier as Captain America did, although with um, Scarlett Johansson's character. Mm. You'd have thought someone that was that powerful as the Winter Soldier actually was would actually have had more of the... Because um, no matter how bad they make the characters in these standalone films, it makes you think, well, why aren't the rest of the Avengers there now? So, because, you know, it's all part of that, that um, you know, that unit sort of thing. So, I don't know. I, I, I think since they brought yeah, them I, together for the Avengers... Can I find a friend? Yeah, I mean, since they brought them together for the Avengers, it's sort of like... you'd you'd have thought yeah, it would, it would yeah. almost kill off the standalone films, which would be unfortunate, because actually, very often, they're the better films. Um, I'm interested to see yeah. what the third phase brings. I, I, I hope the second Guardians film isn't completely ruined, because uh, the first one was so refreshing, because, I mean, I was, I was on a real downer about the whole Marvel universe after Iron Man 3 that I had my doubts about 
Even I like that one. I know. <laughs> Green. <laughs> Zoe Saldana. That always helps. That always helps. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, as I say... Well, seven... maybe, maybe with that, because um, I think when we were discussing Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, one of the reasons why it was kind of more enjoyable was because the scope of it was different. Yeah. And, uh, they had different places to go, you know. They yeah, yeah. More different planets. And it wasn't just a, a rehashed version of the same kind of... Um, um, sort of real estate thing, you know, you're trying to trying to gain control of the earth again, yeah. you know. Or uh, no, that is true. That is true. So what 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 can they do? Is an interesting plot, really. Yeah. If you're earthbound. Right, Paul. Yeah, I haven't really got too much to add. You you chaps seem to have summed it up um, extremely well. Um, I think probably what summed it up for me really was 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 yet another cameo by by Stan Lee. Um, which always feels completely forced and unnatural. Um, I think the, the, the best one so far I've seen is was in Guardians of the Galaxy, where just kind of the camera just whispers by and um, yeah. chucks some young thing up, um, which is kind of cool. But this one, he actually—it's almost like he moved, looked in deliberately into the camera, almost um, to say, "Okay, I'm here, and you know, this is my part of the job for the film." Um, and it's at that point I thought, "Yeah, it, you, you, it's really this whole thing has just become entirely too laboured." Yeah. Um, there's no real story to speak of, which I think is probably the worst sin of these films. Um, and there, there, there should be really. I mean, did we need another transform? I mean, I know that I, I don't know. I don't know way too much about the uh, what's going on inside the, the the comic lore and the comic world of these these stories. But um, I'm aware that um, the villain of the piece is in the comics. Um, but they they have to get away from. Um, this 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 kind of long gone era of Transformers as a villain as as a as a as a, as a despot because it's just it's just too laboured now it's just too boring um, and I think a lot of that is over is 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 that overkill is spilling into the characters now mm-hmm. as well I mean I think Captain America I can't remember the name of the actor but he's Chris he's, Evans. he's I mean, he's, he's, he's extremely boring to watch and to listen to, I think. Mm. I don't know what he's like in the other movies. He yeah. may be really good, um, but I find him absolutely... There's, there's he did no seem to get... At all. He, he, he certainly wasn't at the forefront of the Avengers characters, was he? Uh, no. As, no. As I think Michael said, yeah. um, the Hawkeye seems to be coming to the front in these yeah. Avengers things, yeah. which was nice. You got a bit of backstory about him. Uh, yeah. And that he has a real life to go back to, but um... yeah, I mean, it just it just felt that there was for me there was practically no daylight between this film and the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they mirrored each other way too closely, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I think the performances were. I, I agree with you, Michael. I think um, Downey Jr. is is he just looks knackered. He he yeah. looks really tired. Yeah. I mean, he's funny. He's still a great actor, and he can still deliver a very funny line. But it's just I think it's too much for him now. It, it doesn't. I'm, I'm not convinced. I don't believe any of. He's almost. He, I, I I don't know what you know about the next series, but he's, 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 his role is going to change, isn't he? Because he, he I think he. Yeah, he's going to be a supporting. Because in because in the because in the Civil War he turned to do any more standalone Iron Man films. No, because I mean he's going to appear in the next Captain America because that's the Civil War one where. Um, yeah. So mm. that's um, that that will, that might be interesting. It might be an interesting idea. I mean, but... in the final analysis, well, I think yeah. I think whether you're a, a supers fan or not um, if you're looking for a, a, a good story you, you're not going to find it in this film because it's just it's we've seen it a million times before uh, and I think as a consequence of that it's just it's it's just showing how glaring 
the, the waning formula is becoming. Yeah. It's just because it yeah. is. It's just, yeah. it's just what are they going to do about this terrible formula that they just keep churning out all but the time? It's a shame, really, because in the, um, the third Iron Man film, there was scenes in that that were quite interesting in that Tony Stark was quite traumatised as a result of the events from the, from the Avengers film. And, you know, really confronting death and, you know, was he going to survive or not? And there was a degree of character development within all of that because of that before that point he was criticised as being not a team player and just looking after his own ends and all these sorts of things. And um, so that was quite interesting to have a sort of... Um, to explore the idea that he's actually quite flawed in Iron Man 3 and traumatised and suffering and really struggling. Mm. But um, that was quite... Quite that thread, that storyline, interesting one, but it was quite soon forgotten and dismissed. Mm. And there was a little bit of that in Ultron as well. That, um, mm. You know, I thought Captain America was always potentially more interesting as a kind of man out of place, you know, that yeah. his life was mm. really 50 years before all of that. But um, they, you know, never really kind of touched upon the really no. interesting aspects of the characters. So and there's there's no the thing is, the subplots, just, just to wind it up for, for me, the subplots seem extremely forced as well, as if, as if um, we're being told, okay, well, we better wedge this in. Um, because it's laying the groundwork for for other films, and of course, then it feels like um, it feel it feels it, the authenticity completely yeah. drains from the whole thing. That, there has been a lot, some talk in some of the reviews about how Joss Whedon's had to shoehorn the story into also setting up all the next phase of films, yeah. and, that, and so he, actually he is quite constrained, and with with all that constraint in his. In in place, mm. he's mm. actually done quite a good job of bringing it all together, sort of thing. But mm. I just think oh, these films are also quite long, and mm. I, I I don't know. I just I just feel that eight, two hours with all that tech mm. is sort of the limit, and then you, after that, it's sort of like pushing it a bit. I, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming though, this has been a, a box office smash. So um, well, it's had, I mean, it has. It's supposed to be one of the biggest, isn't it, this year? Yeah, I mean, the um, reviews have by no means been unanimous, though. I mean, there's been no. there's been some mixed reviews, but it's clearly done done very well. So yeah. they'll probably not change. Well, the much thing is, the yeah, the, it's it's almost it's almost critic proof this this type yeah. of film because so many people love them. Yeah. Um, that, that aren't worried about the things that we're worried about. Yeah. So they'll just keep going along watching them. And, and, and fair enough. I mean, yeah. if that's... I've got, two, I've got two, two more things to say, just, just quickly. First, I'm worried that Ant-Man is going to be just a bit too comedy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to do the whole thing any favours. And the second thing is I'm worried that DC have come to the party a little bit too late because I think people are already fatigued with the whole mm-hmm. superhero thing. Although... The DC yeah. ones seem to be a, a bit darker, which gives it that slightly different edge, doesn't it? So, um... well, I think there's. I think I got the impression the Avengers films, the most of the Marvel films, are actually targeting sort of ten to fifteen year olds. Which yeah, what, you I mean, mean we're out of the target? No doubt they are. Yeah, and there, there, there is a certain there's a certain amount of um, uh, um, yeah. about you know sort of middle-aged men sitting around talking about complaining about these films that are really specifically made for. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not made for our generation of, of, of movie watchers. Of course they are. But Michael's absolutely right. I think ultimately they are for a younger generation who are going to get way more out of it than we are. I think the introduction of Banana Man would have actually um, helped it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it was 29 Acacia Avenue. Yes, yes. Acacia Road. Acacia Road, yeah. Okay, then, so... Yeah. Um, what, 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 do, what do you give it, Paul? Um, 
for yet another Muck movie, I'd go, I'd go no higher than a four. A four? Ooh. Yeah, actually, yeah. Who, who would have thought that I'd end up scoring it the highest? Hey, <laughs> but never mind. Um, right, so not an out-and-out out success in our eyes, but um, there you go. Um, can't win them all. Um, our home release is a small Australian film, um, Predestination. Um, I'm not sure what sort of release it's had across... Um, the world um, in the UK, it came quite late um, to our cinemas, having already been released in mainland Europe beforehand. Because we was actually able to get our hands on the Blu-ray from Europe to watch before it even made it to the cinemas. So it's uh, strange. I mean, it's a strange thing, isn't it? All of this because it was. Yeah. It was going to be the, the release date was just changing all the time. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. eventually, by the time you. You know, there was a little bit more sort of confirmation about it all. It was already available on Blu-ray. Yeah, no, it's all very strange. Um, okay. It was an interesting sci-fi time travel um, cop type thing. Um, basically, people from the future get sent back to the past to sort of stop crimes that are due to happen. Um, and there's some paradoxes explored. Or paradoxes? Paradox? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, explored along the way. Um I'll quickly take this. I haven't got a lot to say. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, I re- I've seen it twice now. Um, I really enjoyed it the first time. Not quite as much the second time, because even though I'd see- seen the twists coming when I first watched it, it was I found them even more um, obvious the second time round. Um, I I thought good performances from Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook. Um, Sarah Snook especially. I thought Stand she was, she was sure. really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has obviously started to come back trail for Ethan Hawke because I mean, he seems to be in everything at the moment. Um, what was it? Parenthood, Boyhood. What was it called um, that he was in? Boy- Boyhood. Boyhood. Didn't you recently see him in a? Yeah, um, Good Kill was another oh, yeah. Yeah. another small film that he was in. I mean, he's a really good actor. He, he, he I think he deserves a second chance. Um, he seems to be making some good films, and this is amongst them. Um, it's it's only ninety seven minutes, so it, it's it's quite a short film, um, which is good in some instances. It doesn't feel rushed. It was, um, you know, it was an adequate time. The paradoxes of what you do when you go back in time they explored very well. I'm, I'm I don't want to give the full details of what actually happens because if you haven't seen it, it will sort of ruin it a bit if you just if you know them. Um, but it, it it was a slightly thought-provoking film, I think, about um, of, for which I originally gave it an 8 out of 10 when I first saw it, but I've, I've actually dropped it down to 7, which may be unfair um, on second viewing. But, but then uh, you were always going to be predestined. To, so, uh, sorry, hey, so I had to get the first one in. So, uh, sorry. Yeah, you were bound to sorry. Yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, so all in all, um, a good little movie, which I can highly recommend to all our listeners if they haven't come across it. Um, yeah, so 7 out of 10. Can I just quickly ask you, Rob, before you... Um, Don't put what, did you th- what did you think of the um, reveals throughout the movie, especially the one at the end, without giving anything away? W- w- was that something you thought, yeah, that's quite impressive? I saw them coming. Okay, um, right. I, I do have a habit. Sometimes I, 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 I do see these things quite... Sometimes things just pass me straight by, but mm-hmm. sometimes I, I sort of... Mm. On the ball, yeah, no, no, what's going to happen? And this was one of them, I'm afraid. But um, yeah. equally so, I, I think it was very well done, um, and it was it was more a case I was interested in how they do it as opposed to oh, that's the surprise sort of thing. Um, but um, yeah, um, it was um, it was very very good. I, I thought um, so. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw any of them coming, but 
Mm-hmm. Right, Mark, Mr. Price, um, what, do, what do you think about the movie? There? <laughs> um, I found um, it beautifully shot. I thought the yes. um, and as you say, it was paced rather well. Um, I thought actually at times it was it was almost comic book. I right. Don't, I don't know what it's um, who it was written by or where where, I don't, where really. it comes from even. But um, you know the whole storyline. You can imagine it being done in a more storybook sort of way. Um, I did find though as the film went on and more was revealed and the the story became more apparent. Um, kind of worse it got. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, the, the beginning of the film was very intriguing, um, although. I thought it was rather cliched the um, telling the stranger uh, telling the, the stranger telling the barman his story in the yeah that was very much a bar, plot device wasn't it but well, how else were they going to well, do it yeah, I suppose yeah, but, um, but um, the 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 music the soundtrack was um, yeah subtle in the background mm-hmm. quite quite added to it. Um, Sarah Snoop was obviously the standout, I think, um, in a very much in a sort of Jodie Foster esque yeah. um, type performance. Ooh. I'm not sure if I've seen um, her in anything before. I, I, no, I don't. It wasn't know. a name no. I recognised. Uh, no. uh, well, worryingly, I found her more attractive as a man as, than as a woman. <laughs> but um, that might just be my my own issue. The, the trouble is, he he as he she. It, it obviously looked like it was a female playing a man. Mm. So it, it, why it came as a surprise to anyone, mm. I, I don't know on that one. But um, anyway, go on. Um, <laughs> The, there was a fight scene <laughs> about halfway through it, which was extremely poor, extremely rubbish. Um, I couldn't, I just couldn't help get over the feeling that it was, it was like a substandard Tom Cruise movie. That perhaps Tom Cruise Ooh. may have been um, offered the role, and he looked at it and said, "Oh, there's not a lot of action there. No, don't forget it." And um, it sort of went I down the line. My shirt off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it went down the line to um, Ethan Hawke, who I didn't think was. Yeah, I don't find him a in, very interesting actor. He doesn't cast much of a shadow, does he? No, sadly. You're saying he's um, a vampire? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's, that's a good point, because the actual the, the story is based on a... on a, or This film is based on a story called All You Zombies. Mm-hmm. Highland, yeah. Oh, of course, yes, so, yes. So, yeah, in that folklore. My favourite character is probably um, Clever Noah Taylor, who's the sort of the shadowy um, yeah, man yeah. in the background, who reminded me of... Um, uh, cancer Man out of the X Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly, yeah. There's, there's one scene where he actually lights up a cigarette, which was um, I thought was quite telling. Yeah, I think it probably um, drawn on that. Hey, the number of people that how many cigarettes were actually lit during the course of the film? Quite a few. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it, it was certainly the. It was a drawback on the golden days of cinema, wasn't it? Yeah. Where every scene needs a cinema oh, to be very, Yeah, they're, they're, you can't quite see the characters because of the yeah. haze of the smoke. Yeah. But um, even the Doctor did, didn't he, when he was talking to uh, yeah, yeah. Sarah Stuke's character, which is what fun. Um, Space Core, I thought was very corny. <laughs> very, very corny. Um, and I thought the fact that she was um, above intelligence and had um, special... Um, uh, uh, not powers, but you know, was was above everything else. Was almost sort of like them rotten insurgents films. Um, the girl in that. <laughs> so, um, so all in all, um, well, don't let's upset probably. Sorry, I'm sorry. You don't like your teen movies, do you? <laughs> <laughs> all in all, I'll give this one five out of ten. 
That's good. That's good. That's good for you. You're, you're one of our lower markers. So, so tight. Um, it was. It was okay. It was okay. That's, that's all I can say about it. It was okay. 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 Excellent, Mr. Donovan. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, like Mike said, it's, this is a. It's adapted from a short story called "All We Use Zombies" by uh, the one and only uh, Robert. Heinlein, um, which is a, uh, a short story that I have revisited in between the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it with Mark, because um, I read this story many, many years ago. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a brilliant little story, um, and it's extremely short. I mean, it's eight, eight nine pages long, um, and it's, it's largely considered to be um, the most intricately woven and brilliantly conceived time travel short story ever written, uh, which, which it probably is. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's it's really really good. Um, what I liked about what the uh, Michael and Peter Spearing, the, the, the brothers who who made the film, did is that they stayed very true to um, the central idea of of Heinlein's story, um, and also they paid some very very nice uh, kind of tributary. Um, moments to the film if you remember that the, the the place that he works in the bar is called pop's place right. um that's actually a, uh what the protagonist calls the temporal agent in the novel uh, in the short story calls him pop okay. um also what i like little things like um there's a there's a couple of scenes in the movie where in the, in the bar and you can see the ladies and gents sign outside the toilets mm-hmm. um and they stayed on that quite a bit which i thought was a nice way of paralleling um, the conversation that's going on. Thought that was really nice. Um, I agree with Mark um, largely that, that that Ethan Hawke's not. He's, he's a bit tepid and a bit and a, and a bit generic. And I think it was. I don't think the casting was that great in in that department at all. Um, Sarah Snook, the unmarried mother, and Jane and John, fantastic. Really good. Hope, hopefully, we'll see more of her um, as well. Um, I agree with Rob. As well, there there were a mo- there was a moment in the film that came quite early on. Um, it was one of the reveal. It, w- it wasn't an, a, an out and out reveal, um, but it was it was a little bit clumsy. It was in a the clumsy nudge, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was clumsy in the sense that it, it gave away way too much way too early. Um, it didn't it didn't ruin ruin the the, the 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 reveals that came after that and the the the, the main reveal at the end. Um, but it could have been a little less um, tardy. Um, I think uh, in in that respect, um, the screenplay uh, could have been better. I think there were some there were some sort of really quite clunky and uh, moments at the be- in the first act, and the kind of plot fumbles along um, as a consequence of it being a little bit too capricious and incons- inconsistent in the beginning. Although there are some lovely lines, and interesting, there's a line in the film that isn't in the the, the book where. Um, Ethan Hawke's character says, "Luck is the residue of design," which I think yeah, is, is, nice a, is, is a really beautiful, beautiful line. Yeah. Um, um, and also, we hear him say in the last act, we hear him say, "All you zombies," and what he's alluding to there, um, as Heinen and um, alluded to in, in the story, is that "all you zombies" is really a way of saying, you know, I'm surrounded by the kind of the, a functional species that that um, I'm separate. From. From as a consequence of me being able to do what I can do and nobody else really knowing about it, um, which I think is is a really neat, a really neat, really neat idea. Um, I think um, it was a brilliant, brilliant idea. I think it, it, it's certainly one of the best um, 
time travel into forward stroke interference um, stories um, ever conceived. But I, ultimately, I don't think that this film nailed it down successfully. I think it did very well in some parts, and I think um, it's a film I'll certainly revisit. And I enjoyed it more the second time round. I did enjoy it more right. the second time round. Um, but I think ultimately, it didn't. It didn't um, hit completely the, the, the bullseye, so to speak. Um, but I think it's a brave movie. I think the think the the, 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 the Spirit brothers were brave because they took. You know, they've taken the logical implications, no matter how bizarre, of time travel and interference, and weaved it into a plot form with some success. Um, because I think, the, the, ultimately, the, 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 like I say, the story is amazing. I mean, the, the final reveal is incredible. It, it's, it's a brilliant idea. Um, but um, not... not uh, I couldn't help thinking that... I mean, Mark, you kind of hit it on the head a little bit. It was, it was, it was almost like a... Um, it was like a, a slightly poorer version than had someone like, I don't know, um, Fincher or Spielberg got hold of it. Mm. Um, so in that sense, I think it was, it, it kind of, it was a little bit underwhelming. Um, but a, but a, 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 I'd say a good effort. And I, I, I must admit, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would the second time round. So good. I'll certainly enjoy revisiting it. And you give it a... Um, I think I'd give it a... Um, I, I, I did say a, um, a, a six before, I think, with Mark, but I think I'll go six and a half. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And then just before we bring Michael in, um, the other interesting point about this is this was when we watched a load of trailers for quite a few sci-fi films, including Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. And we saw this trailer. Right. And I think at the time we probably would have said Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, you know, really up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> and true. and then this was the yeah. uh, well, that, this looks good. We'll watch that as well, sort of thing. But it's sort of like, although we haven't given them a stunning no. score. This score, this is so much well, better. Interesting, than... Yeah, interesting enough. I, 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 won't, I promise I won't go on, but uh, I think I said this to Mark yesterday. This film would have made a much better mini series because I think it would. I think yeah, one of the weaknesses yeah. of this film is that the last act um, wraps it up way too quickly, and I'd like to have seen that unpacked at, with with more consideration and, mm-hmm. and less pace. Um, so I think it would have worked better that way. Right. Um, but you know, yeah, okay, a, a good idea, Michael. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it more the second time as well, actually. And um, although, I mean, that's, that's a bit different. It's a, probably a bit strange thing to say when you know that there are twists in the film and you and you're aware of them. But you know, there are, like you say, little things like the, the the attention to the the ladies and the gents. You know, on the second viewing, you do start picking up on the various mm. clues that they give yeah. you along the way about mm. the big reveal that comes at the end. Yeah, and there were a few films that I. Um, thought about when I was watching this, you know, I guess the obvious one, I suppose, is Minority Report, when they talk about the preventing crimes before they happen, mm. but, um, but also from dusk till dawn, in a sense that, if you remember that film, the first half of it is a particular kind of uh, crime story in some way, and then suddenly it changes into this other film completely, you know, it becomes a vampire thing, mm. and in, the, in this film then you, you have quite a intimate kind of extended conversation between these characters in a bar, and then suddenly it suddenly changes, when Ethan Hawke actually has a little bit more to say, and uh, explains about this sort of time travel stuff, so I thought that was quite interesting, yeah, some, there were some great lines, some nice dialogue, quite strong dialogue in some ways, um, including lines like, sometimes the world um, deserves the shit it gets, and um, or uh, people use each other to get what they want. And um, but what what was um, one of the things that I was thinking in terms of 
trying to find a thread between all the films that I've seen recently, actually including Blade Runner, because um, we talked about that recently. Um, they're about love and purpose, and um, they were exploring that within this as well. Um, and there was an exchange there that says, well, what do people want, love? Fuck love. Well, why can't love be purpose, you know? So I thought, yeah, really interesting things that were sort of linking films together or the kind of things that they were exploring. Maybe if they had more time, they could do it. And maybe, you're right, Paul, maybe a, um, a miniseries would be a good way of doing that. Um, I actually think, didn't you say something similar to about Lucy as well, that, mm. that might work better as a miniseries? Yeah, yeah, with each episode, then you get more and more kind of use of the cerebral cortex, yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things they're exploring, much like in Lucy as well, I suppose. You know, there were interesting things about the, the roles that people have and how much they determine their own outcome and uh, how much free will they have, how much choice. And um, and there was, yeah, actually another film I was thinking about. Was that, remember that Bruce Willis, um, uh, Samuel Jackson, that night, Charles Shireman? Unbreakable. Un unbreakable. Carry on camping. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on camping, yeah, of course. What am I thinking? Put that down. Mark's got his hip flask out again. <laughs> it, it's because he hero worship, worships you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you see, I've got mine here as well. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. I do, it's just, some, you know, it doesn't matter what time of day, a nice little toot on with some whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it's, there are various sort of films, and, and, and we talked about it in relation to Blade Runner as well, but... Um, about the semantic differentials, things being defined by their opposites, and um, that in Breakable, I mean, in Unbreakable, there's a long exchange there. Mm. Samuel Jackson explained to, to Bruce Willis that he needed to find his proof of his existence, his purpose, and the only way he could do that was to to define to find his opposite, his reason for being. You know, like his uh, his Superman to his Lex Luthor, or yeah. you know that. Whatever his the Great good to his e the good to his evil yeah because you, you you know you need to just basically another um, thread about trying to find your proof of your proof of your purpose or <laughs> which is not an easy thing to say <laughs> yeah actually I didn't mind the film at all um, yeah the the standout performance clearly was um, there was Snook did you say yeah his mm. name is Snook yeah. yeah. Absolutely incredible, yeah, and it actually makes sense to com to compare her to Jodie Foster in some way. Yeah, um, very, good. very, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. And I'm sure we'll see a, we'll see a great deal of her in the near future. Um, so yeah, I didn't mind the film at all that much. Didn't love it, but uh, interesting things, interesting dialogue. Good. And um, but um, and I don't, I wouldn't say it was forgettable. Um, no. So it deserves, I think, in that light, it deserves a decent score, not a great score, but something along the lines of a seven, I would say. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Right. So that's a, quite a positive one for that one. So um, yeah, if you haven't come across it, give it a go. Right. So on to one of my all-time absolute favourites, can do no wrong, um, Lawrence of Arabia, the 1962 David Lean classic. A film for which the word epic was invented, I believe. <laughs> um, basically, it follows a British um, officer's um, adventures in the Arabian deserts during the First World War and the war against the Turks. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll crack on with this one. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just inter inter interrupt that? I, I saw an interview recently, Michael Gambon, Right. Starstruck, you know, recalling a, a younger version of himself, Starstruck, Michael Gambon, 
um, having met Peter O'Toole on um, on stage somewhere. And you, didn't, you know, Michael Gamble was saying, oh, I just didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to say. So I said, I uh, asked him about Lawrence of Arabia. I said, what was it like sh- shooting Lawrence of Arabia in the desert? And so he said, oh, it's fucking hot. <laughs> 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 it's really fucking hot. And like really miserable Peter O'Toole really giving Michael Gamble, a, you know, what the who, who are you? Yeah. Talk to me about, about Good, good story. <laughs> it was really hot. <laughs> I'm sure it was. It must have, it must have been a nightmare. Yeah, um, absolutely. Shoot, shooting that line. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, I hadn't realised how close to a completely different film we we could have ended up with because um, they originally were going to have Marlon Brando as Lawrence. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Um, I did hear people at all. Wasn't the first. Yeah, and then choice. then they were looking at Albert Finney, yeah. which. Uh, you know, I don't know, but that before they hit upon Peter O'Toole, so what the film could have been with either of those other two compared to, um, I, I dread to think. Um, Peter O'Toole does seem well suited, doesn't he? To he the, does, to yeah. The yeah, but I mean, it was his. I mean, he wasn't a known actor at the time. So who was the lead? Who was the lead that really was sort of promoting the film somewhere? Sorry, how do you mean? Who, I mean in terms of who's the big name at the time. Yeah, because I don't think even Omar Sharif was well known, was he? No, no, they they wanted, um, well, as I say, they wanted Marlon Brando and Albert Finney, um, who had started to become known, but um, they ended up with Peter O'Toole. Luckily, um, Sam Spiegel, is it? Um, He'd made um, the Bridge Over the River Kwai with David Lean, and actually probably gave him a lot more freedom than what he would have normally have enjoyed. So, um, because... And they're linked to Alec Guinness as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sharif Ali, um, Omar Sharif, um, they looked at three to four different actors before, um, French and German, before they actually came across the idea of, hey, let's have a look at some Arab actors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talking of which, I mean, if they remade the film today, they wouldn't get away with sort of like white actors in the main... Please don't say things like that. No, I know, I'm just saying, but I'm so glad they went with it. and, uh, it scares me when he talks. I know. About Alec Guinness apparently spent two hours in conversation with Omar Sharif, and that's how he got his accent. He just picked it up like that, and that's how. Brilliant. And you can't imagine anyone else in that role now. No. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the film sort of shows Lawrence almost godlike um, through it. Um, there's very often there's a scene with him with the white. The, the sun behind him sort of thing and he's like he's, when he's on the train that's been derailed he's standing there and yeah. he's got the sun behind him to give him that, give him that glow around yeah. him sort of thing um, and one of the other things I really like about this film is it's sort of like a role reversal between Ali and Lawrence um, they're sort of a yin yang sort of um, set of characters um, Ali starts off sort of like the bad one because he shoots um, Lawrence's guide at the water well um, and Lawrence is all sort of almost pacifist sort of thing and yet by the end of it um, Lawrence is wanting to massacre the Turks that are retreating and Ali's the voice of reason so that was a nice comparison and that plays out quite nicely with the Ali's all in black Lawrence is in white um, um, I hadn't hadn't thought about that that came to me this morning so um, I'm proud of that one Um, what else was I going to say um, I didn't realise that when they took a shot of the sun as they were crossing the anvil part of the desert uh, um, 
It was actually a painting of the sun. They couldn't get a, a shot of the sun on oh, film. Really? Yeah, so that, that's the only fake bit in the film, apparently. Oh, um, no way. And, um, that's ruined it yeah. for me now. I know, I know. Let's and the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the reason I, I like down to a three now. The reason I like it so much is it, it, it isn't just an out-and-out um, war movie. It explores the starting point of Arab politics, which is mm-hmm. very much the same way now. Different tribes against mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Just let's substitute the word tribe for country, mm-hmm. and it sort of it all fits in. It, yeah. Nothing it, has changed. Has yeah. It really? uh, the film doesn't yeah. age. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's just perfect as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've got loads of other notes here about all the stuff that they had to do to actually bring this film, or, you know, to make this film in the desert. Let's um, hear some of it. Yeah. Well, just just things like they every time they had a virgin bit of desert to use, mm-hmm. as soon as someone had used it, they had to find another bit. And like um, a the director, the cinematographer, took five hours setting up a scene, and all of a sudden a truck that was driven by one of the supply people just came in and just drove all round it. <laughs> and it's just a nightmare. Um, but um, I think it, took, it was about nine months to make or something. It, took, it a took a long time, but they edited it very quickly. Um, right. Actually, they used a new style of editing that um, hadn't been sort of used in British or American cinema up to that point. And they sort of did it better than what because it was a, a, a way that the French did it. I, I didn't really understand what they were saying is the way they spliced between scenes um, one one of my favourite lines uh, or elements of this um, Lawrence as we know goes back into the anvil to save that bloke yeah. who'd fallen off and um, he comes back and there's all this big theme about it's like you know don't worry about it it's written you know he was destined to die sort of thing um, and um so he manages to save him, and then a bit later, he's found st- this, that bloke's found stealing from the other tribe, and this like intertribal conflict is about to kick off. And Lawrence shoots him, doesn't he, and kills him. Yeah. And um, Alda turns to Ali and says, um, "Why is Why is Lawrence so upset?" And um, Ali explains that it's because he went and saved him, and it, and and they just walk off saying, "Ah, oh, mm. so it was written." Mm. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That sure. is just one of those brilliant lines, um, and um, I. I could I could rabbit on and I'll, but I won't. Um, um, the only other thing I was I, I was interested to find out was that um, after the original film, they um, actually had to make some cuts because cinemas wanted to show more showings during the day, um, so they knocked off um, I don't know about twenty minutes. Oh, really? Um, and then TV came along and said they wanted another twenty, fifteen, twenty minutes mm-hmm. cut off, so they did that. And then they, when, when they came to restore it back to its full length, they managed to find the film negative, but the sound had been destroyed. Really? And they actually got some of the actors back in 25 years really? later to redub. No yeah, so, I mean... Are there any other existing prints, Rob, of the movie? Uh, as in, other, other ver- not versions, but... I, I, I'm assuming the, the old versions are still there. It seems strange to me that they would have massacred the original cut of the film and not keep a copy of the original because there must have been original copies that went around the cinemas mm. it, 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 mm. you know these days with digital I suppose it's easier but um, we all know how temperamental film stock can be mm-hmm. um, I don't know what version the um, DVD is but I mean the Blu-ray version we watched was the full final ex- you know as it was um, well it's the blue it's the Blu-ray picture f- of the year for me so yeah because I mean it's 228 minutes and, right, yeah. um, so I think that was the original running time complete with intermission as well wasn't it? yeah I know that was good and the music I mean um, yeah 
that only happened by chance. Um, Mick Morris Yard came in. Um, originally, they had three different composers for different bits, really? and Sam, I think it was Sam Spiegel, brought in Morris Yard and uh, and to do the theme. And actually, it turns out he just did the whole soundtrack. So, um, <laughs> and what yeah. a theme as well. Yeah, the what music is just just yeah. immense. Uh, I can't I can't rate it high enough, so I'll give it ten. I said I never would give a film a ten, but <laughs> there you go. Um, How could you not? Who wants to take it on? I'll go next if you like. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. It was hard to believe watching it on Blu-ray um, because it was so immaculate and it was incredibly beautiful. It's 53 years old. You just couldn't imagine it was that age, could you? It was like no, it was not like filmed yesterday, really. Yes, yeah, exactly it? what I said. <coughs> like it's filmed yesterday. It, it, it was beautiful. Sorry, was it um, 70 millimetre? It was, wasn't it? Uh, 65 millimetre was what it was filmed in. So yeah, near enough. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if that's what actually seventy millimeter is. I've got no idea if that's what I they call seventy millimeter. But um... yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. It's just I'm just wondering for maybe I'll have a look at that about whether those that seventy millimeter prints are um, easy easier to maintain or or worse or whatever. Well, they had trouble filming at the start because um, when they looked at the first rushes, there was loads of white blotches over the film, and it's literally because the film stock couldn't take the heat. Mm. So they tried various methods of shading it and refrigerating the actual cameras and film um, before they... Mm. Yeah, extraordinary. You've been watching the extras, obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's really neat information to know. Yeah, very. Yeah. No, there's yeah. yeah. a lot of good stuff on there. Very interesting. To bloody learn. good review, actually. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you. My best yeah. one yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't the details. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marky boy. Yeah, it's just beautiful to watch. Okay, so um, sorry to disturb you, Mark. I can just see on your notes here, Blu-ray with a heart next to it. Oh, it's just because it was. It was. Beautiful, Indeed. beautiful to watch, wasn't it? And a lot of that obviously was down to David Lean. Um, to see how I had to frame a scene, I don't think there was any any scenes yeah. in it that yeah. weren't that weren't beautifully yeah. shot. Yeah. I've never seen a film um, where I've been looking over the actors' shoulders into the background so much hmm. because uh, hmm. the, the stunning sure. backdrop. It's amazing that such yeah. a desolate place can look so, so beautiful. beautiful. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Actually, you um, could take any one of those sort of scenes and have it as a still, put a frame around it, oh, stick it on your wall. Yeah, it's, 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 it would be a masterpiece, wouldn't it? And yeah. that's, you know, um, how long did we say it was? 220? 228 minutes. I mean, and for every scene to be just stunning yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Um, but of course, I mean, you know, this is the guy that did Great Expectations and Brief Encounter, Oliver Twist. Um, and this Happy Breed, which, although being a rather sort of simplistic um, sort of homebred film was incredibly beautifully shot. Is that the John Mills that's probably his family life through the years around the wars and stuff. Yeah, brilliant film. And but all of that seemed to build up to this. This was this was the moment, wasn't it? I, yeah. I think really. And um, so, full credit to David Lean, which he doesn't really need because, of course, we all know how wonderful it was, he is. But... If it was alive, it would have meant more to him hearing it from us than anyone. <laughs> David Lean's gone. Um, Peter O'Toole, with hindsight, was perfect for the role. Yeah. Um, because obviously. Um, Lawrence was a bit of a maverick, and as it turns out, Peter O'Toole was um, certainly a bit of a maverick in the acting world, so yeah. um, perfectly placed. Paul um, actually showed me some photographs of Lawrence where he looked, um, or rather Peter O'Toole looked uncannily like Lawrence, which was extraordinary. So, um, And I think that cast him is down to David Lean himself. It, it, we saw in the extras, didn't we? He'd, mm. he'd, he'd spotted him and thought, yeah, he's, he's perfect. But um, it was... Um, 
it's great to see um, a supporting cast of sort of slightly lesser known um, English actors. I mean, obviously Jack Hawkins was a big name, uh, but there was people like Harry Fowler. And who'd heard of Alec Guinness? Who never heard of him? <laughs> but, um, no, no, I mean, uh, slightly lower down on the yeah, cast. Yeah. But Harry Fowler, Brian Pringle, Norman Rossington, uh, yeah. James Hayter. Um, I've written Jack Hawkins twice, which is um, well, that's a worthy flag. Uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's another one of my favourite actors. I, yeah, I think he great. might be one of my great, great choices for the coming series yeah. of film. Uh, Omar Sharif was obviously his, 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 his breakthrough and um, brooding. Yeah. Dark. Although he was a big star in the Arab oh, film world he? at the time, oh. yeah. Um, as I say, it was only when they looked at characters in the Arab world that they came across him and thought, yep, that's Ali. Mm. So this was the start of him becoming huge in the yeah. West. Uh, well, it was given a seven year contract with Columbia oh, as, as a result. So. I'm always reminded of the line the Lightly Lads were. Um, um, Bob says um, well, you're to Terry says oh, well you're hardly Omar Sharif and he says well Omar Sharif wouldn't be Omar Sharif if he, li- if he lived in Gateshead which was uh, a great line, but, uh, uh, that is excellent yeah. brilliant as well uh, Claude Rains as Mr Dryden oh, yeah. oh that is fantastic he wasn't in it much but when he was, when he, was, he, 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 was he almost stole the scenes didn't he yeah. he was sort of like which was bizarre because he was so subtle so yeah. laid back and so political and it's, imagine, it's how you imagine the foreign office to be in exactly. those days isn't it yeah and um, Rather be in Tunbridge Wells. Tunbridge Wells, yes, yeah. which is a fantastic <laughs> line. Yeah. Um, so on on that side of the film, uh, it, it was just <clears throat> absolutely perfect. Um, even the length of it, it wasn't. Um, I mean, we had to watch it in two hits, didn't we? Spread over. Yeah. Um, well, there is an intermission for that. Yeah. That's where we stopped as well. We stopped. Yeah. So um, um, it didn't seem overly um, dragging on. Um, there were some stunning scenes in it, like when they they blew the train up in the middle of the the, the desert, which was yeah. quite a remarkable scene even now. Um, obviously, uh, I'm in kind of two minds with the film because it was a work of, of I think immense beauty, um, but whether Lawrence is um, um, a, a hero or you know a, a questionable sort of gentleman um, kind of bugs me a bit. Mm. Um, and I think the film does actually show that, despite his, well, it does, yeah, despite, because it, de- sorry, despite despite um, Lawrence's brother actually having full mm. final say on the script, mm. which was interesting to, that it's actually gone out like that because there was some quite a few negative aspects shown. Mm. Uh, oh, absolutely, which I was but, quite surprised because I had actually forgotten that. Yeah, um, had, having read, again, read it, might, that might be some of the stuff that was Lawrence. cut out, mightn't it? So yeah, I, yeah, can't, sure. I can't remember what was yeah. the short versions were like now. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I'm not, um, yeah, I mean, the, the sort of pacifist, but he shoots people, <laughs> um, you know, he does kill people, although he doesn't like it, sort of. Um, I think the thing with war films, for me, is, you know, when you get heroes that go and blow 200 people up, um, uh, my definition of a hero would be um, somebody who would take it out on someone perhaps differently, like the government or whatever. Yeah, um, or um, So... So I found Lawrence sort of questionable in in some respects, um, but um, I'm not without criticism for the film. Um, I think it was Anthony Quinn's nose um, <laughs> was. Uh, I hope it's not his real nose. It looked like a false one. Um, um, no, no, it was it was a false. When he was asked for a screen test, he got made up like that beforehand and appeared on set while David Lean was filming something else. 
and people just saw him turn up with this nose Ooh. and everything and people just started shouting Alda 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 <laughs> um, oh so it, it actually yeah so it was definitely a fake and um, as was um, but it was, them, it was it was them. Oh, I didn't notice it on Guinness another on extraordinary Anthony. entrance from him as well when, when um, Lawrence is sodding about dancing around in his new garden yeah and yeah. he runs past and he's on the horse just you know, which, what are you doing what a brilliant brilliant way which we, we, we read was improvised David Lean said you've got a minute Yes, uh, just, yes, which was um, which was great because we actually said at the time before we realised that yeah. that's exactly what a bloke would do if he was given all this yeah. fine uh, garb and also um, suddenly thinking, oh, what do I look like? I'm pulling out his dagger. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and looking into that was was, was uh, quite genius. So um, um, I've written seven out of ten here, but I'm, I am going to up it to to eight. Um, as I say, I am slightly queasy with 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 war films, um, which I know is odd because I like horror films, but. To me, war films are the ultimate horror. Um, I'll remind and... you about this when we do the film, the comedy about terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> which I like very much, of course. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so I, I do find um, war films like the ultimate horror film, and and the fact that they're obviously based on fact is sort of quite horrific. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm always sort of. Um, I know Mike's going to call me a hippie, but I'm always sort of slightly upset watching these these kind of films where there is such uh, mass um, mass no, murder, fine. really. So, yeah. Um, um, so um, eight out of ten, which which um, for the subject matter, really, um, but for for pure visual effects, mm-hmm. clearly a ten. Yeah. Um, it was it was probably one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, and you could see other films that had. Um, um, used it as a as an influence over the years, so it's, yeah. it really is um, a very influential film. I mean, uh, and yeah. perhaps even in in films that you wouldn't expect. I mean, there were certain sort of aspects that I, I thought of it um, that reminded me of Tatooine on um, in Star Wars yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, the desert um, yeah, yeah. the desert scenes yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, which I thought was very um, um, Star Wars esque and and, and 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 things like that. So um, perhaps that's what helped get Alec Guinness the job on yeah, well, as yeah. Obi Wan. You never know. Yeah, he knows how to handle the desert. <laughs> he just stayed in the desert until I found me. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it's a good point. Because lest we forget, this film was a huge influence on both Lucas and Spielberg. Oh yeah. As filmmakers. Yeah. So well, one of the extras so is actually no... an interview with Steven Spielberg, right, isn't it? Right, so yeah. Um, yeah. Massive influence. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go eight. Excellent. Who wants it next? Mike, you want to have a go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree a lot with a lot of the things you've been talking about and the comments that you've made, certainly with regard to how beautiful the film looks and the scale of it and how difficult it must have been to make. Mm. One of the first things I noted when I, after watching the film was um, how much Lawrence reminded me of Alan Turing. I suppose I could see the imitation game recently anyway. Yeah. But the um, in respect of... Um, interpersonal style being a kind of slightly detached and then finding great purpose I suppose in a wartime situation so there was uh, yeah I was thinking about that I suppose and and then thinking a bit about Peter O'Toole and and um the um the films that he made after this including Troy I suppose and how good he was in Troy which was actually not a very good film but um I think Rob, you mentioned something in you, just in the lead up to this about about the cuts of the film, yes. and I was thinking, would they make a film like this now? Given that um, the multiplexes yeah. worry about how many times a film can be shown in a day, I suppose the production companies do as well because they want to get as much money as, as possible. 
How long it's was... very rare. It's very rare that you get a film that is quite a way north of three hours. Yeah. How long? Um, how long is um, released... Titanic? Three hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's mean, probably I the limit. They used to, I mean, I, I quite like um, Hindi language films, right. and they, they're quite long. Yeah. The longest film I've seen in the cinema, I think, was Hamlet, which was four hours. Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Hmm. I think that was in the um, mid-1990s, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't think they would make this sort of no. film now. I don't think anyone would be brave enough anyway. But, um, and I don't mind long films. I like films that take their time, that's true. And I like, because with long films, you get a greater scope for... Um, seeing characters evolve, change, and um, just a, a greater scope to tell a greater story, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think the, the you mentioned it already, the, the Alec Guinness black and look, I think probably they wouldn't do that sort of thing now. It would be a bit of a, a poor judgment. But it's not out of place in this film, I don't suppose, and I am a big fan of Alec Guinness. He doesn't really have to do much for me to kind of go, oh, God. How good is he? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. just, just the, the way he, uh, the sense of assurance that he gives, or uh, the presence that he has, is just uh, remarkable. Um, yeah, I made a note that if some scenes were framed and you put them on your wall, they would be masterpieces. I think that's just nicking a line that Mark Kermode made about Pan's Labyrinth, about how beautiful that was, mm. and he was sort of lavished praise on Del Toro, who's the director of that film. Mm. Um, I think their presence of Omar Sharif and Alec Guinness was always felt as well, actually. I don't know really in it a great deal, but they, um, their presence was felt throughout. And um, I suppose, yeah, I mean, I've already mentioned about the common threads about purpose, people, characters searching for purpose. Yeah, amazing film, really, and just very brave. Very, it must have been very difficult to shoot. And I think just listening to you, Rob, ranting on about all the things, the details that you know about the film is actually really interesting in itself. Clearly, you love this film and have paid great attention to all the stuff that happened to bring it to screen, and yeah. um, that makes for a really good, decent discussion. And uh, I'm interested in that sort of thing myself as well, of course. But and I probably would be able to say similar sort of things about other films that I probably have more paid more attention to over the years. I've only seen this film a few times, um, and probably if, I don't. I don't imagine I've seen it all the way through in one sitting before. <laughs> it is an endurance. <laughs> it is a bit. Yeah, yeah. you need to have bun, buns of steel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I really don't mind films that take their time like that and really you know it's a bit real kind of uh, an afternoon an afternoon's entertainment isn't it a long afternoon's yeah. entertainment well, go, go, just, just going on about the length of the film and seeing it in one sitting um, David Lean hadn't seen the film in one hop all the way through when it was premiered mm. that was oh the, really yeah oh, um, he'd seen the second half first and then he saw the first half independently right. they just didn't have time to find right. three and a half hours or whatever it is Brilliant. to watch oh, it that must have been a wonderful experience yeah. for him to, yeah. to see that because the, they, they, they had a big Brilliant. interview with the um, editor on one of the extras and um, that's how I found out about all the different cuts and how yeah. they, they did it sort of thing because she was involved with all of them as was David Lean um, they, they kept getting David Lean back to instigate the cuts so um, well, maybe maybe like we were talking about earlier about who was the star of the show in, in trying to get this to screen maybe maybe the star was the director yeah, yeah and yeah, I, I kind of worry sometimes when there's so many cuts and um, sometimes if the production company are the ones that kind of make uh, the lead on that it can be a bit of a disaster and the the, the best example of that mm. I suppose is Once Upon a Time mm. in America I, I mean against Sergio Leone's wishes 
the production company kind of re-edited the film mm. and um, made it sort of more kind of linear, chronological. And uh, test screenings of that were just as disastrous. And it wasn't until um, he kind of really exercised a bit of power that they, Sergio Leone managed to get his, his original intended cut sort of shown in the way it should have been. Um, so I think these sorts of things, cutting and um, editing and all, mm, I kind of worry about that because, um, I don't know, especially when a film, it's not necessarily about the fast-moving tempo. If it's a fast-moving tempo and you want to keep things moving all the time, quick, 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 then sometimes editing like that makes sense, but not, it's not with this sort of film. No. Actually, the longer version, the longer the better in some way. But yeah, I'll give it a. I'll um, it's somewhere between nine and ten. Mm. I don't want to give it a ten, but nine, nine, yeah. Nine if that's what ten. you want to give it, Mike, you're wrong. But if that's what you want to give it, yeah. No, I think um, nine and a, nine and a bit. Yeah, no, yeah. that's fine. That's good. Okay. Nine Mr. and a half then. Nine and, and a half. And here we go, Mr. Donovan. What did you think to it? Absolute rubbish. The trick, William Potter, is not minding that it. <laughs> what a fantastic line and what a performance from what, is, what has got to be um, got to be the best certainly got to be a, a, up there with the greatest um, performance of uh, a historic, an actual historical mm. character that, that's ever been put on screen yeah. um, I mean let's not forget that it's, it's based on um, T. Lawrence's um, Seven Pillars of Wisdom um, which is a, an extraordinary um, uh, Tome on on like Rob said the the, the Arab revolt um, and from what from from what history is and historians have have um, gathered um, he was ex- as or every bit as as flamboyant and um, extremely eccentric um, as the portrayal as 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 O'Toole gives you know that kind of uh, awkward eccentric almost Martian um, uh, and I think we we mentioned Mark about he. There's this kind of Bowie, David Bowie-esque, mm. that I'm sure Bowie sort of had a look at, because it kind of looks like this man who fell to earth. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he doesn't, he almost looks a little bit out of place, not just because he's, um, he's, he's, a, he's a British soldier, but because he just looks... I mean, we talk about the landscape, Lean's amazing ability to, to shoot uh, topography with stillness and scale and patience, but just to look at O'Toole, it's the eyes, was not it? It was the eyes. Extraordinary-looking character, yeah. extraordinary-looking man, um, and I think um, so. That there's there's a kind of landscape in his performance, and I think there needed to be because this T. Lawrence was a, was a, was a man who absolutely believed in himself um, to the point where where he was kind of brave, brave beyond beyond um, rationality to a certain extent. I think. Um, and it's interesting where you guys have been mentioning his relationship with um, uh, Omar Sharif. There's one scene in that film um, where um, Lawrence has come back um, after he's gone out and saved one of the tribesmen and manages to rescue him and comes back. And he, 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 he comes back to the, to the, to the group um, and he's still on his horse and he holds a gaze with Omar Sharif for what's got to be at least 10 seconds, which is a very, very long mm. time. Um, and I think for me that that really is the philosophical through line of the entire film it's like Lawrence saying to to, to Omar Sharif and by extension to the rest of the world I will and can do things beyond even 
the capabilities that I think I've got. Mm. And he does that throughout the film, and he did that in real life as well. And I think the look that Sharif gives him back is as, as if, yeah, I absolutely believe you can as well. Mm. I think that's a beautiful moment in the film, really gorgeous. Um, again, we've spoken about um, how every frame is just delicious. I mean, this is, you know, I've seen this film before a, a number of times over the years, but it's by far, certainly, probably in my top three DVD or certainly HD quality movies I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's just, just beautiful. And to think it's as old as it is as well, to actually hold that as well. Oh, this is actually the first time ever where I've thought, actually, I should get myself a Blu-ray player. Yeah. And it's mainly down to this, uh, completely down to this film. Yeah. All right, I mean, it's... Do it, do it, do it now. <laughs> go, go, go and get one. <laughs> uh, every time you mention Blu-ray, I, I keep thinking of that joke, joke we had the other day about the... Uh... <laughs> The, the, the fellow with the ice cream van, he <laughs> blew railers down the road, he sells, he rents out porn, porn from his ice cream van. <laughs> Don't <laughs> lower the Blue tone, Ray, Michael. Have you seen Blue Ray? Blue Ray, yeah, he's got you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, 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 there's so much that, that's, that's good about this film. Yeah. I mean, just the performances are, 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 are faultless. Um, uh, clearly, the cinematography is, is, is off planet. I mean, it, it's just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, the, the screenplay is, is savvy, intelligent. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's just there's there's so much you could just go on and on and on about mm. how brilliant this film is. It reminded me um, after not having seen it for so long about. Um, I mean, it's, it's that good. It's almost documentary. I think. Mm. I mean, there's a couple yeah. of films, Coin and Quatsi and Baraka, uh, documentaries uh, written and produced uh, and filmed by a chap called Ron Frick. Um, that's very much um, uh, uh, a non-narrated. Um, although it's got a, um, a kind of an eclectic score to it, um, where he just basically spent five years going around the world and with a 70mm camera taking these extraordinary shots. And it really reminded me of, 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 of that kind of experience. I mean, again, this, this film is an experience. I mean, it's... it's, it's and it's interesting, Mark, you're talking about, you know, whether this... Um, you know, would they make this film today? And I think it's more... more it's, it's could they make it? And no, they couldn't. Not because they haven't got... Um, the technical know-how, of course they have, and they've even perhaps got the writers, but we just don't have that level of performance anymore. And those, those, that le- those actors do not exist anymore. And I, th- I think you couldn't... I mean, I hate to make the comparison, but it's the only one I can think of now. I'm thinking of like a, a current epic su- such as Exodus, you know, which, which was a pretty long film. Um, I mean, it just... Hailed. I mean, w- with regards to the only reason I'm making that comparison because you're dealing with historical yeah. characters and, and and whatever. You, but it just it's just it's so glaringly different. The difference is so glaring. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of glad they can't they can't um, make this film again. Can you um, imagine the Michael really Bay am- version of it? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can clearly see the the, the the influence of this film for so many for so many directors. Um, yeah, I kind of think that actually, if they the only way it could be made, a film like this could be made again, is if um, if it was a personal project that someone actually funded it themselves without any interference from production companies, and um, mm. and actually kind of accepted that it probably might, might even make a loss. Mm. Or I mean, if I Peter O'Toole was removed and, um, and they put the Avengers in these plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I did think I did think that maybe you could have these you two could... backs crawling on the on the you know like the edited versions of Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, given the given the complexity and. Prof- Profound interest of someone like T. E. Lawrence. I think you could revisit his life in a, in a more in a more considered way if you did it in like a, in a in a, in a ten episode series where you could 
really have a look. Mm -hmm. uh, because remember, this story, what we're seeing in this film, is very much kind of like the middle section of this man's life. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did an awful lot. He spent an awful long time as well um, um, in Arabia as a, as a professional archaeologist, uh, where, where some extraordinary things happened to this man. Extraordinary. And, and also after... Um, after afterwards as well, he led he led an extremely complex and very very dark uh, life. A, a guy who was dealing with I mean you touched on it yourself, Mark. You know this this guy was dealing with um, having to deal with this kind of very very dark and and and, and moral ambiguity as as to the things that he'd done um, whilst he was there, sort of before, then and, and after. So so it's, it's it's interesting that um, and I think you're right, Rob. I think they did touch. Um, albeit very slightly, they did touch on on some of those darker moments and those sort of moral amb ambiguities that that T. Lawrence was was certainly feeling mm. back then. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, it could be revisited if it was if it was done with consideration and yeah. uh, you know time. Um, but this for me is 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 one of the great movies, and it's a uh, a, a ten all the way. Yeah. There you go. And we did all those reviews without even mentioning the opening. This scene with Ali and it coming in right. from the Mirage yeah, sure. I mean one of the iconic <laughs> scenes yeah. and mm. um, apparently David Lean actually said it, admitted that he bottled it and would have liked to actually have it longer mm -hmm. but mm. Um, you know but I think it mm. you know it, it, it works as it is so um, yeah no good so there we go so um, what cinema was, was built for right? yeah that really is a true cinematic masterpiece mm. so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we've managed to get that in that last um Right, so has anyone got any news just to finish off with before we um, got anything wind up? I did see on Michael's um, heads up the um, trailer for the Quay Twins. Oh, yes, I, oh, haven't, I saw that last night. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. that yet, so Which, what do you think with the uh, same person playing both? Well, <laughs> the um, it looks glossy. Um, Hardy, at some scenes, looks like them, and in other scenes, really doesn't. And doesn't sound like them. Doesn't sound like them at all. So I, I, I'm sort of slightly worried it's not going to be. It's interesting, Mark, gritty, because after you be. said to me yesterday that, that the, um, or one of you chaps had, had said to me that the uh, trailer was up um, for viewing, I had a look at it yesterday, and since finding out that he's playing these two roles I've been sort of going back into some of the literature and some of the recordings mm. of the Cray, Cray twins and from what I can see in the trailer um, he really doesn't look that much like them and does, certainly doesn't sound like them I mean I don't doubt that he'll still give quite a compelling performance I was, I was hoping he was going to play it as Bane <laughs> Bane 1 and 2 I just, I just <laughs> never make up my mind about him as an actor anyway but I think I'm not sure there's that much um, uh, I'm not sure it's a the greatest idea for him to have played both. They did that on um, ITV a couple of years ago. Did a series called Whitechapel, where they had yeah, um, remember the, remember yeah, the yeah, Cray yeah. twins, yeah. and they had the same yeah. actor allegedly playing um, the son, right. uh, sons rather, of the mm. Cray twins, and mm. that was a bit ropey in places. I was um, a, I'm, I'm just a bit so, worried that Tom Hardy's in everything at the moment. Well, the yeah. thing is, yeah. it's, yeah. it's getting to the point where it is over. The, yeah, ubiquitous Tom Hardy. He's, he's Quite, everywhere. That's I mean, I think the, the length of the post-production of Mad Max, isn't it? Mm. He's mean, certainly a hard-working actor. Yeah. I think in 2015 he might well have four films out. Yeah, mm. I, no, I, I think so he's got. He has the stature and he has the kind of uh, he, he has the build for for, for, for the craze because they, you know, stocky lads mm -hmm. and what have you. Um, but as to whether he can. He can pull off a performance. It remains to be seen. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 
Certainly looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I'll certainly go and have a look at it. It'd be good to see in comparison to the um, original Craze film the, 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 the with the Kemp's one, which is yeah. I mean, that's the trouble. Had its moments. Having, yeah, trying to um, to do twins. Yeah. If well, that would have been a brilliant film had they not have been in it. <laughs> no, I, I say I don't. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that to 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 to. to this the film already because I think it's, it's yeah. essentially it's a yeah, great it's a good, movie good film, a good brilliant film. movie but I think it was poorly cast as, as Craze they were really good at, in Spandau Ballet yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. but it is difficult it is difficult to do um, yeah. To, yeah. to try and cast twins isn't it I don't yeah. know how they can so. do it but um, yeah no, I'm looking forward to seeing that so uh, cool and can we just say quickly also on tonight the, um, oh, the Anfield, you're, you're very excited about this Mark Anfield Poltergeist which yes. we are going to actually yes. review as, as, a, as a kind of like a Treat it as a three-hour movie because I think it's three episodes. Three, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So that that should be. I've already set it to record, so this is something I've waited. Watch, uh, they've they've never done a film. Uh, the Enfield Poltergeist. It's a three-part series on Sky Living. Timothy Spall. Okay. It's got Timothy Spall. It's got um, oh. Matthew McFat. No, not Matthew McFadden. What's his name? Sure uh, the bloke who was in Spooks. So I can't think of his name, but anyway, um, it's about a supposed real-life poltergeist that was in Enfield, which is obviously Mark's. Home town. Yes, yeah. um, apparently, it stopped when Mark left. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's strange, says, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Mark was yeah. only a, Mark was only a baby at the time. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah so yeah, uh, Tim- Timothy Spall's always worth watching. I, yeah. I saw him, I saw him in, most recently in um, Mr. Turner. Have any of you seen? No, yeah, it's, it's, it's on my list to see, it, yeah. but I haven't seen it yet. So, so kind of, it's a quite a lot, quite a long film. Good. I'm, I'm very excited about the infield pop. Um, the, the, this this. Um, series about the Enfield Poltergeist because they've never actually made a a film on it, which I, so I've waited. Yeah, um, most of my life for yeah. it to be honest. So well, it was the seventies, wasn't it? Was it? it was, yeah, yeah, early seventies. So it was around the time we Do were. Do you have any yeah. um, movie news? Well, um, I haven't really. No, um, so I'm I'm fairly blank on that at the moment. So Mike, have you got anything to add? Well, I mean sometimes. In news, we talk about films that we've seen recently. I think there are things I've picked up on oh, yeah. the news, um, including actually on the radio last night. There on Saturday nights on Classic FM, they have this sort of recurring show called Saturday Night at the Movies, and they play. They were doing a lot of Star Wars stuff last night, actually, and uh, ultimately that led to um, discussion about the uh, the scores for Force Awakens and then the standalone films. And um, the I think it's that Gareth Edwards, I think, is directing. I think that's the right name. He directed Godzilla. He's directing yeah. the Rogue, Rogue, One, Rogue One, and his long-time um, collaborator. Well, not collaborator, but the the person that he uses to score his films, his scoring scoring that will be the first Star Wars film that doesn't have John mm. John Williams attached to it, and sort of John Williams sort of almost owns Star Wars in many ways. So we'll see what happens there. But within all of that discussion, it, it mentioned how Josh Trank is vacated. Um, his position to direct the next Star Wars standalone after Rogue One. Mm. I don't think that. I mean, it must be very early stages. But, Give it to um, Fincher. Disney are really pushing release of Star Wars films over the next sort of few years. Uh, it's. Um, I wonder. Kind of. I almost worry about that now as well, considering that I really want how tight, how tired the the Marvel lot seems now. Yeah, I well, I guess really that, they get to a stage where the Star Wars stuff gets tired. Yeah, I guess they've got Might a big well. investment to get payback on, haven't they? So, well, yeah, that's true. And maybe they'll maybe they'll push on the uh, Indiana Jones as well, just to yeah. try and really make use of this 
stuff. Um, we can live in hope. Indiana yeah, Jones and the yeah, hit replacement. Just kind of <laughs> worried that they might just massacre things. That I really yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I think films I've seen recently, um, the, the westerns uh, I mentioned, Salvation. Oh yeah, films, very good and amazing. Yeah, looking Homesman. forward to see that. Yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah. So Salvation is very yeah, much yeah. worth watching. Yeah, incredible, really, really top top western. Mm, and very much, I mean, clearly made by someone who loves westerns. Oh, definitely, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, the William Friedkin film that I was trying to find the name of uh, it's called Bug. Maybe, Don't know. maybe that's worth a watch. Yeah, and um, I saw a film called um, Before I Go to Sleep, Nicole Kidman film. Ah, uh, yeah, Colin Firth, Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I tell you, that it just reminded quite... me actually, Mike, of a film I, uh, I uh, saw uh, a few days ago. Um, I'd seen the trailer to it um, and, and kind of ordered it um, on, a, on a whim. It's called uh, Coherence. Um, yes, it's a sci fi, um, a very, very small indie sci fi movie. Um, uh-huh. For any, any, any sci fi lovers out there, have a look at this film. It's absolutely superb. It really, really is good. Oh, wow. um, take a look at it. Yeah, brilliant. Thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. That reminds me, I saw Far From the Madding Crowd last night. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Good? Yeah, yeah I, it, it was good. A good performance from Kerry Mulligan and um, uh, Michael Sheen and uh, Matthias Schoenhardt. Um Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I haven't, I didn't know the story out and out, but I'd, I'd seen the trailers and it looked really good. I think it more or less holds its own against the trailer. Um, I found it a little bit slow in places, but um, overall it was a it was a good good film to get out there and watch. Um, it's two hours, so you know it's not. A... What have you got coming up next, Rob? Um, you... I think possibly most violent unf- year, most violent year, most violent year. Yeah, that as well. Unfriended. I'm, I want to go and see. Oh yeah, the yeah. social media one that's yeah. out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's um, I don't know. If you seen the trailer for that, Mark? Yes, sort of social the, media the, horror the, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, that'd be quite good. Um, I can't think of anything else that I'm planning on seeing in Is the... it worth mentioning that we are going to be doing some EPs on actors? Or... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's... Um, Paul's just reminded me. We've got a new string of extras that we're hoping to start up where we discuss our favourite actors and um, I think the plan is to sort of each just take a film that's the actor's done. Is yeah. that right? And, mm-hmm. and then we're going to discuss both their tome of work and also... Each and what our feelings are against the film that we've been given, I suppose. Mm. Um, and um, have we decided on the first? Did we? Was it? I think. Well, Michael Al Pacino, made, a, made a good it? suggestion that, that maybe if we went Oscar kind Isaac. of neutral with with Oscar Isaac, because yes, yes. he's kind of like the perfect candidate because he reminds us so much of you know the Pacinos and, uh-huh. and, and also he's very current. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get know, ahead of the curve. Off. I think was the term that was used. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah so, so what a brilliant way to kick it off. Yeah. yeah so um, and that shouldn't be too long, should it? From from no. From now we'll get we'll, we'll get that out in brilliant mid May. Hopefully, look forward thought. to it. Um, so apart from that um, our next batch of films for the main podcast we're going to take two cinema releases which is Mad Max Fury Road which has been a long time coming and the George Clooney film Tomorrowland Disney Disney film Um, the home release will be Birdman the well received um, film Um, and then the classic is I feel Mark's input on this Four Lions 
um, what's not to love about a comedy about terrorism? What so, a great line. Uh, what a great line! Yeah, so yeah, four lines on a shirt. <laughs> I apologise to, to our American friends who won't know what the heck Michael's just done there. So um, all will be explained. Yeah, all will be explained. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, please, please get in contact with us at the usual places. Back to the feature podcast at gmail.com Twitter at bttf podcast, and our Facebook page at bttf podcast oh no that's not that's my twitter again uh, facebook.com forward slash you can send any abuse you like to that address yes yes so um, thank you for joining us write your name on toilet paper (laughs) we've heard to past 1800 listens I suspect we're going to be up near 1900 by the time this goes up so um, that's all good and um, yeah so um, thanks for listening join us again and um, goodbye fare thee well bye bye bye